Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Draft Site's Podcast. It's number 26, and this one is a special one. Today is the last one, potentially. Before the 2015 NFL Draft that begins on Thursday at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will be updating live, we'll be blogging live, and you can come to draftside.com for all your needs. But today, we are joined by Zach and DJ. Zach and DJ, you want to say hello? Hi, everybody. We're very excited about the draft. 71 hours and change to go. All right. Well, today is a little special because we're actually sponsored by Million Dollar Draft. Have you ever dreamed about winning a million dollars just for doing what you love, which is trying to predict the first round of the NFL draft? Well, now you have that opportunity. You've seen the user mock drafts on draftside.com. But now on Million Dollar Draft, you can create your own mock draft. And if you get all the picks right, you will win a million dollars. And I know that is very, very difficult to do. But the good thing is, if you don't get all the picks right, they still have prizes for everyone else. So if you come in first place, you get $25,000. And there's $75,000 worth of prizes available. Even the 100th best mock draft gets $100. Entry is only $25. So you have a good chance to get your money back. So... MillionDollarDraft.com is where you go. They're taking over draft site. You'll see the ads. We'll post the link. Go on their site, check it out, put in your mock draft, and see what you can win. If you want to do a seven-round mock draft, go on our site as well. Even if you do a one-round, you can choose how many rounds you want to show. You can, you can do one round. You can do three rounds. You can do seven rounds. You can share with all your friends. But either way, Million Dollar Draft. You have a chance to be a millionaire if you just get the all 32 picks in the exact order. So good luck, everybody. And Million Dollar Draft is our new partner, so we're excited. So today we are going to go through our seven-round mock draft. I hope you guys are all ready because this one is an exciting one. Zach and DJ are going to lead the charge. Uh, DJ is going to talk about uh, the picks. Zach's going to agree and argue, or perhaps we might do a little switch off. Let us get started. DJ, number one pick, Jameis Winston. That's who we have right now. Is this a sure thing still, or is there any chance it might be someone else? There's always a chance it could be someone else, but uh, this is pretty close to being a sure thing. I would rate this about a 95 out of 100 if I were giving this at a 100% scale. Uh, I think that uh, Tampa Bay really has to Assert themselves, draft that uh, franchise quarterback. Again, it's something I've, I've said often. Lovey Smith said the one regret that he had being in Chicago was not having that franchise-type quarterback and riding uh, a player like Rex Grossman, although he got him to a Super Bowl, obviously. It didn't get them a win or, or give him the longevity he was looking for in Chicago. I think they, they're not going to be able to pass this up unless they have some kind of fantastic offer out there to trade for the top pick that none of us are aware of that is just too good to turn down. I agree 100%. I think if there is anybody that they would consider drafting, it would be Mariota. And uh, I don't see any reason as to why they'd be quiet about it because they have the first overall pick. They don't have to fool anybody. They get first selection Thursday. But uh, I say you got to go Winston. I just 
think Winston and Mike Evans and Vincent Jackson will make for a very formidable passing game. Well, the number two pick on the Tennessee, we've had bounce around a little bit, but it seems we've settled down a little bit on Marcus Mariota, the number two QB in this draft. DJ, you want to go into that a little bit? I think Marcus Mariota is the second pick. The real question here is not the player, but is, is it the team? Is it going to be Tennessee staying at this number two spot or some of these deals that we hear about, um, you know, teams like St. Louis or Philadelphia or the, or the Jets? Uh, the team that, that I think really has the best bet to pull this off would be San Diego if there is, I'd say, more, more truth to smoke than, than this uh, Philip, Philip Rivers, uh, the Philip Rivers for Marcus Mariota or Phillip Rivers essentially moving into the two spot to take Marcus Mariota, that's the one that would make the most sense. And I think is Tennessee the biggest possible uh, kind of return. But I think if, if anyone makes a deal, that that is it. I, I'm still not convinced that it's going to be Tennessee at number two. But I feel fairly certain whoever is picking at number two that Mariota is going to be the, the person off the board. Yeah, I also agree. This is going to be not as interesting for the first few picks, but uh... – whether Tennessee decides Marcus Mariota is a quarterback of the future or if it's the Jets, the the Bears, the Chargers, I think uh, he gets drafted too, and uh, there's a very good chance he could be dealt. And don't count out the Eagles either. You never count out the Eagles in this offseason. With the number three pick going to Jacksonville, uh, that's, that's had a lot of changes, and uh, who we have right now, Dante Fowler Jr., might be a little controversial. Zach, what do you think about that pick there? I really, really like Dante Fowler, and uh, he's been somebody that's been uh, – and, and pretty much every mock draft I've seen for the last two months, he's been going to the Jaguars. But I think if the Jaguars can trade down, they trade down. I think they're in desperate need of running back so that if they can trade in, in the, the 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 range and get Todd Gurley, I think Todd Gurley would be – the perfect catalyst for some offense in Jacksonville, but if they, assuming they stay at three, it's who, who do they like more, Leonard Williams or Dante Fowler? DJ, what was the logic behind having Fowler there as opposed to, say, Leonard Williams? Well, Leonard Williams, I believe, is the best player in this draft, and, and there's a number of people who, who believe that as well, going away from just the need a quarterback at the top of the draft. And a lot of times you, you, you hear about winning value, but at the same time, if there's one place on the defense where Jacksonville is just loaded right now, it's that defensive tackle spot. Um, you know, they, they've kind of committed to send Derek Marks. He's coming off of an injury. Uh, they've got uh, – uh, they just spent a, a lot of money to get Jared Oderick away from the Dolphins, who was very productive, just does not put up the, uh, the real type numbers or really kind of get the glory there in that uh, defense in, in, uh, with Miami and – Got to give a shout out to Jared Goddard from Lebanon, Pennsylvania, my home. But uh, I just think that a defensive end is just going to fill a bigger need. But I do agree. I'm not sure if running back is where it will be. But if there's one team near the top of this draft that could trade down, I could definitely see it being Jacksonville. And we actually have Jacksonville taking a running back in round two. So it, you know, if they don't, if they stay put, uh, running back is definitely an area they're going to be looking. So uh, don't count Jacksonville moving. Uh, moving uh, or staying at, the, at that point in the draft at number three, there's a definite chance they could move down. Well, number four, Oakland is, we've had them sticking with a wide receiver for a while, but there's been some talks that they might go along the defensive line, uh, including the best available player. Right now we have them kicking Amari Cooper, DJ. What are the thoughts behind that, and what are the odds they take another position? 
this could be 50-50 if a player like, and in this scenario with Leonard Williams on the board, just because he's going to be such a dominant player, there, there's a good chance that maybe they don't take a wide receiver. They'll take one at some point, definitely sometime in the first three rounds. Uh, again, uh, they had no wide receiver get over 700 yards last year. They're, they've got uh, a number three wide receiver at best, probably James Jones on that team. They're definitely in, in to me, the targets. who invested heavily in Derek Carr, who, who didn't like the world on fire, but he played pretty well with what was around him. So I think now it's time to surround him with more offensive talent along the line and people to throw the ball to. Zach? I say 100% draft Amari Cooper. Uh, he's exactly what they need. you got to invest in, in Carr. Uh, the only reason that I would even consider taking somebody like Leonard Williams if he's available or, available or Fowler is because the wide receiver class is so deep this year. But uh, Amari Cooper is exactly what the Raiders need on offense. And uh, I think – I just hope that they don't overthink it and, and go with Kevin White or Devontae Parker when Amari Cooper is about as polished as a receiver as you're going to see coming into college football. Well, at number five, that would leave Leonard Williams to Washington. And right now that's how we have it in the, in the mock. Zach, do you think they would definitely take him, or is there somewhere else that they have a bigger need that they would jump up and take uh, I'm not sure if they would have ever thought that Leonard Williams would have slipped to five, but with him at five, you have to think uh, that he would be uh, a, a perfect Washington Redskin and a team that usually has a tendency to draft – to be a little sexy in the draft, Leonard Williams would be. Anytime he addressed the offense or defensive line, uh, I think it's going to be good for a team like Washington that tends to ignore those positions. But Leonard Williams would be ideal for Washington. I think they'd be very happy in this a scenario. DJ, I know you'd agree with that, but how's he? tell us how he fits into that Washington defense. Well, I think Leonard Williams is just versatile enough where he can do just about anything. But Washington does need that edge rusher. They have lost Brian Arakpo. Ryan Kerrigan is actually going to be a free agent after this season. So it really makes it uh, interesting because you're going to have a, a, another player you're going to have to pay a lot of money to. And the fact that they did exercise that option on a RG3 today, so if they do keep him beyond uh, next year, that's or actually just for this year, that's $16.2 million you're, you're throwing his way as well. That's a lot of money being uh, thrown around in Washington. So... Maybe just getting someone that is just so versatile that can play multiple positions uh, again, and I agree 100% with Zach. Washington probably had thought if had a run had a run at Leonard Williams, it would have to be moving up in the draft and giving up draft picks. And uh, you know, if he does fall to them at five, it's probably not the biggest need on the football field, but it's just just way too way too talented. You can't pass him up. And I think uh, assuming. Neither of those teams trade down. Uh, it could be the reverse. It could be that Jacksonville takes Leonard Williams, and if Dante if Fowler's available at five, I think that's who Washington goes with. Well, number six would be the Jets. Do you think that they would trade up for one of those top five positions, or do you think they'd sit back and take who we have on drafting now, Zach, is Brandon, Brandon Scherf? Uh, if they are going to move up, it's going to be for Mariota. If uh, or, or maybe maybe Cooper, although I doubt it. Uh, I like who we have taking him. How who we have them taking in uh, the draft site mock draft? I say if there's somebody else they would consider taking, it's because uh, they they value defensive linemen and linebackers a little bit differently. When they when they draft, it's usually people that aren't as high on on most boards. So it could be somebody like Randy Gregory that they love and. Uh, 
they're okay with uh, the the blip with the marijuana or Bud Dupree. But I think there's a good chance if it's if it's not the offense line, it'll be a pass rusher. DJ, what's your logic behind the Brandon Sheriff pick? Uh, there's just so many holes on that offensive line. Depth is something that has been a major concern for the Jets along that offensive line for years. And what we're talking about a player now, uh, we've addressed that maybe he's not the prototypical offensive tackle at the next level. Maybe he's a right tackle. Maybe he's a guard. Regardless, the Jets have needs of just about everyone at every position along the offensive line. So he's someone that you're going to be able to bring into camp, find the position that is kind of fits him uh, right out of the box where he can come in and contribute right away. And what uh, Zach actually mentioned about Jacksonville, I could say it holds true for the Jets as well. If, if they do make a move down, this could be a team that could actually be in the market for a running back. Another, another team where I think in the second or third round you have them looking at a running back, but if the right deal presents itself, they could be like, uh, like Zach said with Jacksonville, they could move back and actually take that running back. They've been searching for that true number one uh, runner for a few years now, and maybe they get a, a hot shot out of college that kind of helps balance that offense and take some pressure off of Geno Smith. And, and don't sleep on uh, Todd Gurley going much earlier than people think because there hasn't been a running back draft in the first round in the last two years. Uh, Trent Richardson was drafted three not too long ago, and people think that it's impossible for a running back to go top ten. But I was thinking the New York Jets, if, if they love if they loved Gurley or Gordon enough, they I mean, it's it sounds really, really early for a running back to go, especially considering the last two years, but for some reason I, I see Gurley being drafted a lot higher than most mock drafts have him going. Well, number seven, we have Chicago. DJ, explain how we got to Kevin White, the wide receiver out of West Virginia. Well, again, defense is the biggest need here. There's just holes all over the defense. There may not be a defense in the NFL that has more holes on it when you look at it uh, than the Chicago Bears. But there's a glaring need at wide receiver with this being such a good class. This looks like the, the team that takes whoever's left over out of Amari Cooper and Kevin White. Healing Brandon Marshall. They want someone to pair up with Alshon Jeffrey. Very good receiver, but Jeffrey's, Jeffrey doesn't have that kind of top-end speed that you're looking for in a number one guy as well. He needs another strong receiver opposite of him. So getting a big body, uh, a player like Kevin White, who is a little bit bigger than Amari Cooper, I think maybe, maybe fits into the Chicago offense just a little bit better. Uh, so I think that they probably take a, a run at a player like White, dress the, de- dress the defense, gosh, maybe the, the rest of the whole draft or all but maybe one pick. They're probably looking for a quarterback uh, maybe in the middle rounds at some point, which I believe we have them going in round three right now. But uh, they will definitely concentrate on defense, but wide receiver is a big need as well. Zach, you think they go with Kevin White? But if, and if not, who else might they pick? I don't think they go with Kevin White, and everyone has had them taking Kevin White, and it's almost seems like it's been a foregone conclusion in a lot of mock drafts, but I think because schematically they're switching it up on defense uh Vic Fangio's coming in they they got um uh Pernell McPhee to uh get some sort of pass rush but I think in a class where a receiver is so deep and you can get somebody in the second round that could line up opposite Alshon Jeffrey and start in this first year I think that they go for for a pass rusher and uh it's the Randy Gregory Bud Dupree discussion maybe Shane Ray Speaking of Bud Dupree, we have him going next to Atlanta at number eight. Zach, do you like that pick? 
yeah, I really like the Bud Dupree. And I remember I was talking to you a while ago back when it seemed like at the top of every single uh, uh, mock draft, Shane Ray was top five. And I was like, I, I bet you that Bud Dupree will be drafted before Shane Ray. And we watched some video on him, and you saw that he's he's a monster. And uh, he was pretty much at, uh, double-teamed his the last two years at Kentucky. But uh, with that being said, this is another team in Atlanta that I think needs to get balance on offense. And don't be surprised if somebody they take somebody like in-state product, Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley would be a perfect Falcon. Uh, there's a number of areas where Atlanta could go. They're a team in the top ten that I I don't think they have one area where, like, this is, this is the place where they have to go. This is probably a team where we really see best player available. It could be a player like Gurley. It could be another offensive lineman. It, it could be... Maybe even a player like Danny Shelton, maybe someone that uh, you plug in the middle of that defense. There's a number of areas where Atlanta could go. But I think that's another good trade possibility because, again, if they feel they have two or three guys that are very high on their board, that they could still probably move back and acquire another pick or two. And I think this might even be the area, again, if you're just looking for the best player available, Trey Waynes may pop up here as well. I don't think they have the glaring need at corner. But again, if you're just looking for the best player available, someone that can make an impact, Trey Waynes is really a guy that can do that, especially in a um, in a division where corners there's not a lot of big time corners in that division. So you know if you get uh, a corner that can come in and, and kind of be a stud for four or five years, it can set you apart in a division that's been very lackluster over the last few seasons. Well, number nine, we have going to the Giants. Arik Flowers, the offensive tackle out of Miami. I know a lot of Giants fans will say will say. They need offensive linemen. Is there any other direction that they might go, BJ? This could be a Randy Gregory place. If, they, if there's a team that I think kind of takes him in the top ten, I think the Giants could be the, the perfect place for him. You know, we, we've always thought of them having that interchangeable defensive line, you know, that, that NASCAR line that you always heard about with, uh, you know, four defensive ends. They Just kind of bringing havoc and, and blitzing from just about anywhere on the field. So I think a player like Randy Gregory, where maybe they don't have you know the, the the glaring need, or maybe he is the prototypical guy, but they can just bring in as kind of a situational pass rusher, move him around the field, and just create headaches for opposing offenses. Um, that would be a good landing spot for him. Or uh, if any team kind of moves down to take a, a shot at Landon Collins, I think the, the Giants have really been bit hard by the injury bug in the secondary the last few seasons. So a player like a Trey Waynes or even a Landon Collins kind of makes sense here because uh, I believe the Giants have lost more games in the secondary uh, than anyone in the NFL over the last three seasons. I really like Trey Waynes for the Giants. I think I said that on the last podcast. If they don't go offensive line, which there's a very good chance they'll go offensive line, uh, I think they got to go Trey Waynes. And uh, if they if they don't, uh, if, they, if, if they go pass rusher, Randy Gregory or uh, maybe Vic Beasley, but I, I definitely see them looking more for for Gregory, because I definitely see a higher ceiling in Gregory. Before we get to number 10, I just want to mention something I didn't earlier. We will be giving away one or two entries to milliondollardraft.com. Free entries if you answer a question at the end of the call, so stay on till the end as we make our way through the mock. At number 10, we have St. Louis. Right now, we have taking Andres Pete, who is probably one of the most uh, roller coaster prospects that I've seen uh, in this draft where people's stance on him go from top 10 to top 50. So, DJ, what are your thoughts on Andres Pete 
And how likely is St. Louis to draft him? Uh, I think St. Louis, they could be looking Trey Williams as well they're, if they're looking for that playmaker. But St. Louis kind of has this tendency in the first round to kind of tip their hand. Sometimes it's not even drafting a player that you would expect. They seem to really kind of buck the trend, and sometimes they, they've kind of tipped their hands over the last few years. The Aaron Donald thing caught a lot of people by surprise, but that was a player that they really, really liked. They uh, they valued Greg Robinson more than when, than some other players. Andres Pete is just a, seems to be a guy that the Rams have been enamored with for a long, long time. They really have uh, – uh, they've had him in for two or three visits at this point. They, they, they just really seem to be – kind of focused in on his all-around game, and it just looks like their uh, kind of light for, for Pete is, is not something they've been hiding. So uh, I think there's a very good chance, again, it's probably higher than a lot of people would think. It just seems to be a fit. It just seems to be a player that the Rams really, really like, and he'll definitely be there at 10. Zach, what are your thoughts there? Uh, I think the Rams are uh, are going to go receiver, and I think they maybe could could surprise people with who they take. I think a lot of people would think Devontae Parker, Kevin White, if he's definitely here, but for some reason I could I could see them going out and getting somebody um, along the lines of Nelson Aguilar. I think that they're going to go receiver, and I think it's going to be a surprise. And like DJ said earlier, they're very tough to uh, predict because they, they strictly go by their board. And, and their board is, although on the field, they I mean, they haven't fielded a playoff team in a while. They're, uh, they've been doing a very, very good job drafting. So it's another one of those teams that really doesn't need to dictate what they're going to do because, I mean, like DJ said, there's no they could have done a lot of other op- other ways other than Aaron Donald last year, but he was probably far and away the best player left on their board. He was the highest. He was a very high player on a lot of people's boards, and rather than draft and try to reach for need, they went for uh, who they thought was the best player. But I think this year it's going to be a receiver, and it's going to be one that people aren't expecting. Maybe they do move back, and, and another receiver that has kind of crept up boards, and another player the Rams really seem to like. Now this will be very high for him, but again, if you're looking for that shock value. Philip Dorsey Chairman. from Miami. Definitely, uh, they definitely have a, an eye on uh, on Philip Dorsey as well. Uh, he's a guy that, uh, again, speed kills. You just mentioned Perriman, uh, a guy who's very, very fast as well. But Dorsey's kind of got that uh, little slider build, a guy that you can play the outside or play in the slot. Uh, maybe he's a guy that kind of uh, catches a lot of people. Remember, uh, Odell Beckham was, was picked a lot higher than – he was kind of a late riser uh, – a lot of people didn't see him as, as being going as high as he did until probably the week of the draft. And, you know, Philip Dor- uh, Dorsett kind of went from a, a third rounder to now looking like he's, he's going to be at the end of somewhere, the end of round one, early round two. This could be, uh, this could be the surprise pick. Number 11, Zach, does Minnesota get Teddy Bridgewater some more help, or do they go defense where we have him picking Trey Wayne? Uh, if Wayne's is available, Wayne's is a really nice pick for them. Uh, a lot of people have been saying Devontae Parker, obviously because he played with Bridgewater at Louisville. But um, this is a team that could definitely go for a, a, a red zone target for their young quarterback. They signed Mike Wallace, but he's, he's kind of a one-trick pony. Um, the player that, even though he doesn't fit schematically, I'm not sure – if he's going to go to a 4-3 team or a 3-4 team, i I got to keep an eye on Eric Armstead uh, for either the Browns or Minnesota in this 11-12 range and, and maybe even the Bears at 7. 
So uh, that's somebody that I think is going to get drafted earlier than a lot of people. Um, a lot of people, almost nobody has him going in the top 15. And I think okay. he's a guy that could crack the top 10 and maybe play in Minnesota or Cleveland, even though he doesn't schematically fit in Minnesota. I would, uh, uh, really, the, the thought behind Wayne's here is if he is still on the board, they like what they got out of Xavier Rhodes. Very good, uh, very, very good corner who I think just needs a little more talent around him to really kind of showcase what he's been able to do. I think getting that, you know, getting another corner that you can feel confident with and kind of stick in that secondary, especially when you're playing uh, in a division where a quarter of your games you're, you're facing Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford, uh, really makes sense kind of boning up a lot along the, uh, at the cornerback position. But if they don't and if Trey Waynes is gone, I think getting some type of pass rusher, Anthony Barr was a guy I was kind of high on, even though he went through a position change, was a natural running back, and he really, some glimpses last year where he really, really looked good. There were, uh, unfortunately, there's some times where I think the speed of the game, he's, he's still adjusting that a little bit and still being a full-time linebacker. But uh, Anthony Barr really has some some potential about being a special player. So surrounding him with some, some other playmakers along that front seven is something that would really, really help Minnesota as well. Zach, at number 12, we have Cleveland, the first of their two first-round picks. Right now, we have them taking Devontae Parker out of Louisville. Who do you think that they might take? I think that they do need a receiver. Uh, I think because they're also picking later in the first round and, again, the second round, I don't think they pulled the trigger at uh, 12 with the receiver unless maybe they're in love with Devontae Parker or Kevin White slips that far. I like Armstead. Um, and then Danny Shelton or Malcolm Brown, one of those two, to, to sure up the defensive line. And uh, and and maybe Shane Ray, but it's um, they're going to be picking seven picks later. So really, there's so many different directions they can go. But I'm not sure if they they pick a receiver 12, especially with a class as deep as this one. I just think they ignored receiver uh, last year. Josh Gordon is running the problems again. I think they just take a sure thing here, and maybe they they take a little more of a risk. They look somewhere along the offensive or defensive line a little bit later. Right here, it's just the best player on the board. Uh, I think Devontae Parker just fills a big need and, and probably the best receiver that's, that's left on the board at this time. Well, number 13 is New Orleans, and they've been making a, a lot of waves with their trades, and we can't seem to think that it'll end on draft night. They'll probably either trade up or trade down, but they'll be moving. So at number 13, we have been picking Vic Beasley, a guy who I think could end up going in the top five or ten, but DJ... We have him slipping down to 13 at this point. What, what's the thought behind that? I just think uh, as, as deep as what Zach has said about the, the wide receiver class, which is true, those, uh, those rushers off the edge, it's the same thing. I think a lot of Vic Beasley, he needs to develop a little more consistency, but on my board he's number two overall behind Leonard Williams. So uh, it, it's a very good uh, fit for him. Uh, New Orleans just always seems to be in need of edge, edge rushers. It's just something they – they haven't been able to do on a consistent basis. They've had flashes. They've had players that have performed well in spots, but not someone they've been able to count on for the long haul. So they need a lot of help along the edge and, and getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Uh, I agree with DJ. They seem perpetually at a need for some sort of pass rushers. Vic Beasley was, I mean, tested off the charts. Uh, he's a fit schematically. If Armstead's still available, Armstead's, uh, you know, somebody that could play the five techniques for them. Uh, and then, and then maybe Shane Ray. If I had, if I was a betting man, I, I would take Shane Ray over Vic Beasley. I think he'd be, uh, 
an ideal fit, and he has that same type of attitude that I think at least Rob Ryan's looking for. All right. At number 14, we have Miami. Right now we have picking Todd Gurley, Zach, who you think might go in the top 10. If they fell to, if he fell to 14, would Miami jump on him, or are they satisfied at running back and feel they have other needs? I mean, uh, he's a player that I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the top five of some NFL team sports because, I mean, he is excellent. And, uh, and so is Melvin Gordon, so that's another person that's an option here. But I think uh, if, if Devontae Parker slips to 14, I know they really like Devontae Parker. I know that they've been linked to Perriman. Uh, but I definitely think they they help out uh, Tannehill, and that's where they go. Some something on the offensive side of the ball, a skill position. They're picking in the perfect location to land a very very quality one. They've been good for a few years. They need a pick that's going to get them over the hump. And I think having that that uh, player at running back uh, that, that that can really kind of put them over and, and scare a lot of opposing defenses. It, it helps out the passing game as well. And Gurley's knee. Really looks like it's. Uh, he looks like he's ahead of schedule on rehab, and it's something that I don't think the team that takes him is going to push him too hard. But I think he's really of progress in the way his uh, medical checks have come back. It's put a lot of some of the uh, fears that some of these teams have had at ease, or maybe now they can they feel confident about taking him in the first round and not kind of holding their collective breath and and seeing what they get out of a Todd Gurley in camp. Well, next pick we have San Francisco, who has been all over the map this offseason with some key retirements. Are they going to fill that need on their defense, or are they well adept from the past few drafts, DJ? They've got a lot of players. It's just uh, getting some star quality there, and there's just there's a number of uh, areas they can go. Uh, Eric Armstead's a very good player here. Randy Gregory, we've seen him probably fall down the board a little bit. Uh, one of those two is probably going to be the, the biggest impact player that they could take at this point. Maybe even Malcolm Brown, if there's uh, any questions about the Armstead. But I think the fact that you can put him in a number of areas, I think he'd be a pretty good fit at this point as well. Uh, and I think maybe they look for kind of a receiver or maybe some offensive line depth a little bit later in this draft. I think they try to trade down. And, uh, I mean, 15 is a, a place you always want to be picking. Uh, and I know the 49ers know that. And if Randy Gregory is there... Uh, I've I've heard a lot of uh, there, there's been connection between Randy Gregory and San Francisco, but if they could trade down, I think they should trade down. Uh, if they're going to go out and they're going to try to fill a need with a very very quality player, although it's very very uh, it would it would be very high to take him. Eric Kendricks would be would make for uh, a very good 49er, but picking at 15 that's probably a little too high for him. But when when they drafted Eric Reed a few years ago, people thought that uh, wherever he was drafted, I forget exactly where. Like people thought that was maybe a little high for him. But if they find a player that they li- that they like and he happens to be at a position of need, uh, I feel like they'll definitely pull the trigger at 15. And if they're going to do that, I feel like Eric Hendricks is somebody to to keep an eye on. Houston, we have at number 16. We've had Malcolm Brown for a while. Does this stay true, DJ? Well, it's just a kind of a hometown guy. Really need. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Jadavion Clowney and what they're going to get with him out of that uh, surgically repaired knee, what he's going to bring with the pass rush with J.J. Watt. You've got them coming from the ends. It, it's no secret you, you, you're going to need a guy that can penetrate in the middle as well as kind of stay at home and play the run. Malcolm, Malcolm Brown is just a very complete tackle. He's not a guy that's just going to be a run stuffer. He's not a guy that can just, uh, for his size, have that quick first step and get into the backfield. 
he's a well-rounded guy. I think he will kind of adjust to the assignments and what players are doing around him. He's just one of those guys that's going to ask and do exactly what you tell him to do, kind of like a what Casey Hampton was for years for the Steelers, where he wasn't putting up the numbers, but I will argue with anyone, Casey Hampton was pretty much the anchor of that defense and allowed the players around him to make so many plays and, and the versatility for the other players around him really shone through that he was just that anchor. I think that's the one thing the Texans have not had, that anchor in the middle of that defense along the front line. It's been from the linebacker spot and from the end. I think if they can get a good young uh, a guy to put in the middle of that defense, it goes a long way for the Texans. Yeah, I agree with DJ. The defense tackle is definitely uh, going to be uh, a, a good – would be a good selection for Houston. I think it would be very, very easy to play defense tackle next to J.J. Watt. Uh, it would just make development a lot easier, but I think they really, really need to consider uh, a wide receiver, especially losing Andre Johnson. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Devontae Parker's there. I feel like that that's a no-brainer. Perriman would, would be a fit, and I've heard they've been linked to, to Dorsett, and, and obviously I love uh, Devin Smith. I think Devin Smith's excellent, and uh, he's a guy that could you know be a week one starter. So if they don't go defensive tackle, I would expect him to go wide receiver. Number 17, we have your buddy Randy Gregory falling all the way down here. Zach, do you think this is realistic, or do you think teams are trying to overplay the drug test and will really jump up and he won't be available? What are your thoughts? Uh, Why is he my buddy? Because he does drugs. (laughs) (laughs) No, because uh, he's one of your favorite prospects for all year long. No, no, I do do like him. Uh, I I think he's a a player that's going to, going to go higher than 17. Um, but San Diego is really, really tough to predict because they're probably going to be one of the teams that, that's in it for Mariota. And uh, if they if they aren't in it for Mariota, then Vic Beasley, Randy Gregory, a pass rusher. But also, I would really, really like Melvin Gordon here. And I know a lot of people like Melvin Gordon here, but I think both the running backs in this year's class should be top 20 picks, and Melvin Gordon would be perfect for San Diego number of areas they could go, really. And, and it is hard because I think they are a team that's going to be on the move, whether it be for Mariota or for, for another player. That could be a, a running back. It could be could even be an offensive lineman. Uh, a little more depth there. This is a team that probably takes an interior lineman a little bit later in the draft. But uh, San Diego, just like what I said about New Orleans, holds true for San Diego. They're just not able to get that consistent pass rush Year in and year out, it might be one guy who steps up as a great year, and there's an injury or it kind of comes back down to earth. And they just have not had that prospect that's been able to give them three or four solid years of consistent pass rush off the edge. And unfortunately, we say it every draft, but the Chargers are always looking for pressure off the edge. All right, let's go to the next pick. That's number 18, Kansas City. We have them taking Marcus Peters. DJ, you think he's going to go to 18, or you think he might drop because of other issues? He could drop, but if there's one team that's that's shown a lot of interest, I think this is the area where some of the teams that have been linked to Peters, maybe in a team like Pittsburgh, a team like Dallas, that, that could pick a little bit later. I think Kansas City realizes maybe they can go for some other areas, even though wide receiver, of course, well-publicized, that they had no touchdowns out of the wide receiver position last year. Even taking a player like Jeremy Macklin, very good receiver, but I'm still not sure he's a, a number number one guy. He, he's a very good number two and someone that can get you a thousand yards if he's staying healthy. But you want so, you want some other uh, some other talent around him. 
But uh, uh, having a player like Marcus Peters, just he's the only guy that can really hold the candle to Trey Waynes as far as overall talent at the cornerback position. So uh, Andy Reid has kind of had a, a pretty good history of taking some players with some problems and, and questionable backgrounds, and he uh, kind of caters uh, his coaching style and his staff to making those players comfortable. So if there's a team that Peters can go to and, and make an immediate impact and feel comfortable, then Kansas City is a good atmosphere for him. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, but uh, I know I sound redundant in my uh, picking of skill position players, but if there is a team that really is in desperate need of a skill position player, even though they signed Jeremy Macklin, it's the Kansas City Chiefs at receiver. And in a very deep class, maybe they could wait till the second round, but obviously a receiver wouldn't be uh, a shock to me or any help along the offensive line. So uh, Pete, if he's still around, Collins, uh Somebody that I heard has been linked to Kansas City. Uh, Cleveland's got another pitch here at number 19. Zach, what what direction do they go? Assuming that they address the defensive line or just the defensive side of the ball in some capacity and take either Malcolm Brown or Danny Shelton or one of the pass rushers, I think this is the the perfect position to be to be drafting uh, a wide receiver. Uh, it could be Nelson Aguilar. It could be Devin Smith. But uh, they're definitely a team like the Chiefs that is in, in desperate need of a, a playmaker on offense. Uh, maybe they take uh, Gordon or Gurley if they're still available. But I definitely think they, they go defense 12 and uh, at 19, then they, they take some either a receiver or one of the running backs if, if they're still available. Well, right now on the draft side mock, we actually have the opposite. We have them taking Devontae Parker at. Uh, number 12, and Danny Shelton at number 19. DJ, what's the thought behind how that plays out? I, I just think that, you know, with with Shelton or Malcolm Brown, there's probably a few more defensive tackles that are there. Uh, I think Zach is, is exactly right in the areas where they need the, the most help. I think just the way that this particular draft is playing out, they probably go for that receiver. There's probably a few more defenders that are still available. Um so, we, again, we've got the, the right positions. We just had them flip-flopped as far as the area where we have them going. But, but obviously, they're both positions of needs here. I just think Shelton's one of those guys. He's very, very good, but he, he's linked to a lot of teams, but I'm, I'm not really sure he's number one on any, on any really team's board. We always see a couple of these players where you kind of scratch your head and you're like, wow, how did they slip? And it's not that they've necessarily been bad. It's just maybe they don't stick out with that one team. And in this scenario... I uh, just kind of think that Shelton just kind of slides a little bit, and he's perfect in Cleveland where, again, uh, you're in a division that's, that's really hard-nosed. You're going to see a lot of uh, good running backs. And uh, Cleveland, as well as needing a pass rush, they, need to, they definitely need to get tougher up the middle. Well, let's, uh, let's move on to the next one, number 20, your hometown Philadelphia Eagles, DJ. You haven't taken Brashard Perryman. Would you be happy with that, or do you think that there's a chance they might be going in other directions? You never know with Philadelphia. I'm, I'm not sure if that's where I'm, I would I would totally be happy. But again, with this being so deep with wide receivers and so much talent being available in the first round, there's probably other receivers that uh, people might think might be uh, better overall. But again, Philadelphia really seems to like the tall wide receivers. They like the tall wide receivers with speed, and that's what you get out of a, a Perriman, a guy who's got the, the NFL lineage. You know, they really need corners, and, you know, there's a lot of talk of a guy like Eric Rowe out of Utah, Byron Jones, who's obviously moved up out of UConn. 
But, uh, but again, I just think that uh, they're really going to, when it comes down to it, they're going to need that wide receiver. That personally, I would think that you take a Landon Collins in this position. I think 20 is kind of the right area. You pair him up with Malcolm Jenkins, you've got a real good safety combo. Uh, Landon Collins, just maybe he's not the overall safety that a lot of people thought, and, and, and he's a lot better against the run than he is the pass. But Philadelphia really kind of needs that. I think that guy that can be a real leader, and I, I think they haven't had that since since uh, Brian Dawkins went away and went to Denver. And really, the the focal or, or the leader on that defense has been Trent Cole, and now he's gone as well. So I think getting a young player that can possibly mold it into a potential leader in about three or four years down the road, and I think Landon Collins could be a, that type of player. So selfishly, that's where I hope they would go. But I, I, I think wide receiver. But this is Philadelphia, where it's been an absolute circus it could be a kicker in the first round we have no idea Zach what are your thoughts yeah Philadelphia is very tough to predict uh they're definitely not I thought they were I'm probably just biased because I love Bradford but they're definitely not out of play for Mariota I think that they go I like what everything DJ said obviously losing Macklin they could go out and they could get a receiver um I'm not sure if it, it would be a big receiver as much as a fast receiver. That's why I like Perriman or Smith landing there. But uh, um, if they go on defense, somebody like, even though, you know, Pete has a a well-noted attitude problem, I could just see Marcus Peters as being a good fit for Philadelphia defensively, and, you know, Chip Kelly would probably whip him in shape in no time. But uh, Landon Collins would be great because, as, as uh, DJ said, um since Dawkins has left, they've really they've really lacked leadership. And Collins is a guy that comes in two or three year starter from an SEC team, and uh, I mean he'll be ready to contribute right away. And uh, I don't think it's a bad prediction to say that he could be uh, a locker room leader. Number twenty one to Cincinnati, Zach. How do you see them picking here? I could. I would think they would really, really. Uh, like for somebody like Devontae Parker to fall, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to end up going with uh, either a pass rusher. I like them taking Shane Ray in our in our mock draft. Uh, I know that they would love Bud Dupree just the way that they've drafted. They, 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 they like really, really big athletic linebackers, but he would fit the mold in terms of just being an absolute giant. So if Bud Dupree's there, that's somebody I think is a, a no-brainer for Cincinnati. Uh, and then they could maybe sneak in and get somebody like Byron Jones, but uh, I think Byron Jones is being overvalued. Ray kind of falls to him here. They're, they really do like Bud Dupree. And I think for a while, you know, there's been so much talk that, you know, Pittsburgh has really liked him as well, and maybe they'd have to move up to get a player like him. I could I could definitely see Cincinnati even taking a, a player like Bud Dupree if he were on the board, which I don't think he would be, just as much as a block Pittsburgh from taking him as, as much as having him on his team. But, but again, you got to remember, Cincinnati, they've had a pretty formidable defense, but they really really kind of fell off. They were dead last in the NFL, uh, 20 sacks last year. So uh, getting pressure is, is definitely something that just about anyone can look at that roster and see, hey, you know, we really need some, some bodies that are going to come in and get some sacks. And in this scenario, raise the guy that's kind of sliding in an area where there's just a lot of talent. Uh, those tweener-type players, outside linebackers and defensive ends, uh, there, so many of them are needed in the NFL, and there's going to be a one of them's probably going to slide to Cincinnati, and in, in this particular scenario, with Shane Ray. At number 22, we have Pittsburgh taking Kevin Johnson. Zach, your 
your team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, how would you feel if they picked Kevin Johnson? And if you didn't like it, who would you rather them taking? I don't mind them taking Kevin Johnson every single year. Literally every year I want them to draft a cornerback. I want to dig Xavier Rhodes. I want to cream Jackson. But since Kevin Colbert's taking the position as general manager, they haven't drafted a corner in the first round. Every single year it's a need for them, and they never do. So any corner they take would uh, would make me happy. I, From a skill perspective, I'd want Marcus Peters to fall. I really like uh, – I think Landon Collins would make a really, really good Pittsburgh Steeler. Obviously, I like Bud Dupree, but um, I also wouldn't be, be upset if they uh, – if they took a tackle that they love, because I mean they can they can always use a tackle, but I would really really like for uh, it to be uh, Marcus Peters, because they have they lost some players in the locker room. They lost Ike Taylor, they lost Troy Polamalu. So you might want you might think they'd want to get somebody like uh, like Kevin Johnson, who's probably a little bit safer bet in terms of attitude. But Marcus Peters would be exactly what they need to compete on the defense side of the ball, and that's what they need to do because offensively they're as good as anybody. Kevin Johnson could wind up being one of the great gems in this draft. I, I think you just look at his progression, he's just come a long way. I, I don't think he's going to be the best guy necessarily this year, but you look at a guy that develops over two, three years down the road, what they're going to be able to do with him, he could wind up being possibly the best corner in this draft. He's, he's that good. I just think that he needs to develop that physique a little bit. He needs to – get a little bit stronger in his upper body, but as far as uh, play recognition and his aerial skills, just always seems to time the time his jumps perfectly and probably plays in the air as well, if not better than any cornerback in this draft. Number 23, Detroit. They're, that's a team that has played pretty well, but seemingly might have a lot of needs. We haven't taken Eddie Goldman, the defensive tackle out of Florida State. DJ, what are the thoughts there? Oh, uh, well, you lost Dominic and Sue. You lost uh, Nick Fairley. But, again, with a player like Melvin Gordon on the board, this would be a, a, a prime landing spot for him with the fact that uh, Reggie Bush was lost. And, again, trying to keep the pressure off of, of, off of that passing game and having Matthew Stafford go back and chuck it 60 times a game, just having a, another good presence running the ball. And, and Melvin Gordon really made a, a point of it during his pro day and a lot of his interviews to show teams that, he didn't have a, a chance to really showcase his receiving skills at Wisconsin, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's a bad receiver. I think he's done a good job at really killing teams. He's a complete three-down back. He can be a receiving threat at the, at the next level. Once you get him in the open field, he's as good as any running back in this draft. So I think that goes a long way with a team like Detroit who likes to throw the ball to their backs, likes versatility out of the backfield. So, if they go in another direction, if it's not a defensive tackle, this would be a great spot for Melvin Gordon. Zach, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I really like uh, Eddie Goldman. Uh, I think uh, he, he's a good fit, especially. I mean, they, they did they did get back Hogolinata, uh, but uh, defense tackle is definitely something they need to look into. I don't think Melvin Gordon's going to be there. I think Mel- Melvin Gordon's going to be drafted sooner than people think, and Another player that I think, I'm not saying he'll be drafted in the first round, but Amir Abdullah is probably the premier pass-catching running back in the draft, and he would fill in perfectly for, for Richie Bush. I'm not saying that he would go 23, but that's somebody that I also think will be drafted higher than a lot of people think. And I think because of the last two years, people think running backs are incapable of going in the first round, but uh, this is the year where I think you're going to have at least two go in the top 20, and I wouldn't be surprised if one snuck in there very late in the first round. 
Well, speaking of running backs, we have Arizona at number 24 taking Melvin Gordon. Zach, you seem to think he'll be in the top 20. Uh, if he falls, is this a perfect spot for him at Arizona? Uh, yeah, really, any team that needs a running back, it's a perfect spot for him. Like I said, don't think he's going to fall that far. I think that they're going to probably end up addressing the offensive line, Arizona. But, uh, I mean, if he does fall this far, that's great for Arizona. See, I mean, this is a guy that's ready. He's a week one starter. Just need a little more consistency out of the running back position. There's a team where Gordon can come in and contribute right out of the gate if he's there. Uh, offensive line, there's a definite need there. They always seem to need linemen uh, in Arizona. I think there's a big need on the interior line as well. Is this is a team that's probably looking toward the guard or maybe even a center in the second or third round. It could be uh, one of the teams that, t- that takes a center pretty early. Uh, but also, they, 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 again, sometimes you just have teams that seem to be in love with a pick or really, really like someone. This is a team that has, has expressed a lot of interest in Eric Kendricks. So that this could be an area where he winds up as well. If they uh, don't go with the running back uh, pick at number 24, uh, this is a good spot for Kendricks uh, also. Yeah, Kendrick's number is great. Uh, that's that's a great that's a great call, TJ. At number twenty-five, we have Carolina taking an offensive tackle and Leal Collins at LSU. DJ, uh, your thoughts on that pick? The Jordan Gross retirement of the previous year really caught uh, Carolina kind of off guard. I, I think they thought that there was a little more depth along that offensive line. They, they I, I really don't think there was a team. Uh, that that played as well overall. They came on good down, well down the stretch, won the division, of course. But the the offensive line play was it was downright hard at times. There's a lot of holes there, even for a, for a playoff team. They they need a consistent running game, and I think that's why they they need some big bodies up front uh, to kind of block for some of those uh, for some of those running backs or, or a running back that they're going to get a little bit later in the draft. Or as Zach pointed out, if there's a third running back that goes or a team that maybe needs him. It could be Carolina. They could be a team that maybe moves back four or five spots near the end of that first round and takes that third running back. But the biggest hole for them, they still need wide receivers, but I think they need offensive tackles even more. Uh, this is, I think, the perfect landing spot for Devin Smith. Uh, I've been hearing that there's a link between Carolina and Devin Smith, too. But uh, if they end up not going that way, uh, whatever tackles left they like, maybe, uh, maybe Cameron Irving, just because I feel... There's there's four places on the offensive line you can play him. All right, let's uh, let's speed through the last few picks. Baltimore, Zach. I hate Baltimore with every ounce of my being. So uh, I hope they don't draft anybody. But I think that they're going to end up going. You got to. I, I know I sound like a broken record with receiver, but losing Torrey Smith, they could definitely get somebody like Perriman if he's still around. Who reminds me a lot of Torrey Smith. Uh, if Peters is still around, that's somebody that they could end up drafting. As people remember when they drafted Jimmy Smith, they really don't have a problem taking cornerbacks' attitude problems. So, um, yeah, I would say Peters if he's available, and uh, uh, whatever wide receivers at the top of their board, maybe Sammy Coates. Wide receivers an obvious need. I think they're going to take a running back at some point. Uh, but in this particular scenario, I think they need corners as well. They did sign Jimmy Smith to a long-term extension, but there's really no one along there with him. And this is one of the teams where I think it's going to be here or probably Green Bay. If anyone does take Byron Jones in round one, this is probably the team that, that winds up with him. Number 27, Dallas Cowboys. 
couple of areas they can go here. Eric Rose, a, a player, a, a name that we hear a lot. And of course, we also hear a lot about Melvin Gordon and, and if they're actually going to make a move up the – because at 27, they're going to have to make a move up the board. But uh, as much as we've heard about Kevin Smith with some other teams, uh, you don't think of wide receiver being that big, big need for the Cowboys. But they're sure showing Devin Smith a lot of love recently. And it also a lot of people are reading – uh, into the fact that 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 maybe Des Bryant's not going to be around it and and get that uh, eventual extension. It, it, it seemed for a long time it was going to be Demarco Murray or it was going to be Des Bryant. They would have to pay one or the other. But it's starting to look like maybe they're not going to get either one of them. Maybe Bryant's only there for for one more year, and they might be looking near the top of this draft again with so many good receivers available, drafting the heir apparent to uh, Des Bryant. So Devin Smith could very easily wind up being a cowboy here. Zach? Could be somebody like Abdullah. I think that that's still high for Abdullah to go, but uh, he would pair nicely with McFadden. After McFadden, they, they still got some question marks, and I still don't know and play for Adrian Peterson, but I think somebody that's going to go a little bit higher than people expect. Uh, he's from Jerry Jones' alma mater. I wouldn't be surprised if they get somebody like Trey Flowers here. That's somebody that I think may be sneaking in the latter half of the first round, and uh, I think that also be a good fit, especially with Greg Hardy serving the 10-game suspension. Denver with Peyton Manning perhaps on his last legs. Who are they taking, Zach? I don't think they take a quarterback this early. Uh, I'm not sure if they if they need much help at receiver. Um, Max Williams would – I mean, Peyton Manning would make him look really, really excellent. But um, – I think that they end up going with uh, some sort of offensive line help uh, or or maybe help in the secondary. Byron That's Jones I had could to, definitely land in Denver. Yeah, and I, I had uh, Cameron Irving here, who I think Zach had going a couple picks earlier. Again, just the versatility. Denver would have a couple of places where they could plug him in. You want to keep Peyton Manning around as long as possible if you're in Denver. You don't want to turn it over to Brock Osweiler or the next guy that they draft. So getting as much... Help along the line. I think this could be a, a line-heavy draft for Denver. I think it probably starts in round one with a player like Cameron Irving, possibly maybe even a T.J. Clemens out of pit. If he uh, goes in the first round, this could be a team where he goes. Indianapolis at number 29, T.J. Where do you think they'll go? Well, Landon Collins seems to be falling a little bit because teams aren't really kind of uh, feeling that he's going to be as, as tough in the pass as he is with run support. So if he's around a 29, Indianapolis is absolutely doing cartwheels. Uh, they're they're looking for just playmakers on defense. They've just been kind of getting by with, with just kind of some patchwork and, and, again, not having that superstar quality along the, the defensive side of the ball. If you're able to land, a, and, again, a guy could be a locker room leader, something that they really don't have in Indianapolis on the defensive side of the ball as well. You know, you've got it in Andrew Luck, but maybe someone on the defense that can step up and be a leader. Landon Collins sliding all the way to 29, but if he's there, Indianapolis is just absolutely thrilled. Uh, I think they go defense. I think they go pass rushing. Uh, I'd say with the way that our board has fallen out, neither me or DJ have had Eli Harold going yet. And uh, if, if he's available there and the players that we have mentioned are not available, I think that's a, a really good pick for uh, Indianapolis. Number 30, Green Bay, a team that can go in a lot of different directions. Zach, where do you see them going? As tempting as it would be to to go uh, receiver, I mean, they're just set at receiver. They have three legitimate receivers. Uh, 
Max Williams, Aaron Rodgers. I think Max Williams just being paired with any one of the late picks like the Broncos, the Saints, the Packers would would be good because this is a guy that really hasn't had a quality quarterback and he could really be special with one of those quarterbacks. Uh, I could also see them taking whatever tackles left on the board. Maybe maybe TJ Clemens, even though he kind of has underwhelmed during this uh, whole process. Or uh, Collins from LSU, if he's still available. DJ? Well, there's been a lot of talk about uh, getting a defensive tackle, which I think is something they look toward. I hope it's not uh, Jordan Phillips out of Oklahoma. Again, I think he's one of the most overrated prospects in this entire draft, even though he's got the size. But he's, uh, you know, getting that B.J. Raji heir uh, apparent. This is definitely an area where he could go. Or again, Eric Hendricks, you want someone in the middle. There's been It's been much documented about um, how much depth is actually at inside linebacker. They're having to develop a lot of young players and whether they want Clay Matthews to go back outside. Eric Rowe, uh, actually out of Utah, is another a player that, that Green Bay really seems to like, that Eric Rowe, Byron Jones, the bigger corners. That, uh, and, and a player like Eric Rowe could possibly uh, has played some safety as well, so uh, there's some versatility there. But uh, there's just a number of areas where they could go. Max Williams, that would really be scary, especially with Richard Rodgers really kind of developed near the end of the, of the season. It really doesn't offer a lot in, in terms of blocking, so I think – Green Bay is a team that likes to run a lot of two tight end sets. You get two tight ends there where that are that are both capable pass catchers like that. So that is just that would just be just be havoc for the for the rest of the NFC Central. Two more picks, New Orleans, DJ. Well, uh, Eli Harold, which is uh, someone that actually uh, was just brought up. Uh, I think right in our scenario, it's Eli Harold, or they get another. Um, wide receiver, maybe a smaller guy that can kind of pair with Brandon Cooks and really kind of um, maybe have one guy work the middle of the field and one guy on the outside. you got to remember uh, uh, Kenny Stills is no longer there as well. They, they want a deep threat, so I think a player like Devin Smith or Philip Dorsett is perfect in this scenario. Or, again, they could go linebacker, even though we had them going linebacker at 13, them going linebacker at 31, and Eli Harold. That's a very good possibility also. Uh, they just need pass rush with the Saints, and I think you can see probably three of their first five picks actually being pass rushers in New Orleans. I think they got to go pass catcher here, especially because we both had them going pass rusher in at thirteen, losing Jimmy Graham, having an aging Colt, having an aging Colston. Uh, in our scenario, Jalen Strong still available, Doriel Greenback is still available. Uh, just somebody to cause uh, to, to give them that it, that type of big targets they're going to be missing Jimmy Graham in the red zone, uh, Sammy Coates, Devin Smith, but I think they definitely go pass catcher right here. Zach, I'll give you the last pick in the first round, New England. All right, New England's very interesting to me. Um, it's somebody that wouldn't surprise me if they trade out of the first round. I think uh, there's a very good chance that the Patriots always trade out of the first round. Assuming they keep the pick, I love players like that are just New England players. I love Tyler Lockett. Although he doesn't fit schematically, Shaq Thompson, I think, is just a really good football player, and there's so many different places that you can put him on the defensive ball and on special teams that he would be – somebody like Belichick would be happy to draft him at 32 or or maybe a running back because other than Garrett Blunt, they really don't have much. Like I said, Abdullah could get in there and, and don't sleep on Kevin Coleman being that, that third running back off the board. But this is another team. It's a two-running back league, and uh, Brady's only getting older, so – 
just to keep the balance, I, I think a, a running back would be definitely beneficial for New England. DJ? Well, there's always a chance they trade out, but I think if you really look at the pro days, if there's any team that's kind of tipping their hat as far as where they're looking, it could be New England. I, I thought for a long while this could be a defensive tackle, get that next Vince Wilfork. But they are just paying a lot, a lot of attention to wide receivers. You've got a lot of good wide receivers on the board yet, but they really, really seem to like Sandy Coates. I don't think he's the best player available here, but New England really, really just seems to like Sandy Coates. They've been all over him uh, just at, at the Combine, at the Senior Bowl, at, at his Pro Day. They just have just been all over Sandy Coates. There's a couple other players you can say that they've, they've liked, but, again, just sometimes there just seems to be those teams that, you know, sometimes you've you got to wade through which one's a smoke screen and which one where there's really general interest. And they just – I think if there's a lot of good wide receivers still on the board, that maybe that's the, the good indication that New, New England can trade back. They can take a wide receiver and another position, which would probably be that defensive tackle or that versatile offensive lineman. Cameron Irving would be great here in New England. But uh, he's off the board in our scenario. But if they stay put – Sammy Coates is still there. It just seems to be a player that, that Bill Belichick uh, has just been all about. And he's, he's attended uh, the pro day uh, personally, attended his personal workouts personally, spent a lot of time, just, just seems to be all over Sammy Coates at, at every stop. So I think he's looks like a good bet to be a Patriot. All right, well, that concludes the first round. Zach, I know you have to go, so thanks for joining us there. And we'll see you. Yeah, no problem. Week. I can't wait. We can't wait till Thursday. Exciting stuff. All right. Thanks, thanks a lot. Bought it. He bought it. Really bought it. Time back. You are. All right. Take it easy, guys. All right. All right. DK and I are going to continue on through rounds two through. We'll see. Right. <laughs> uh, DJ, I don't know. You want to lead the charge here? At, starting with Tennessee in the second round. We haven't taken TJ Clemens out of Pittsburgh. Yeah, Tennessee, they, they could use help all over the offensive line. Again, they've really been publicized where they've spent a lot of a lot of time, especially along the interior. Uh, you got a player like Michael Roos, who's unfortunately uh, his, his days are numbered in Tennessee as well. They uh, spent a lot of money on a player like, player like Michael Ower and then, you know, spent him kind of, kind of the showers after just a season. It didn't work out there for him. So getting a tackle, especially if they are going to stay put and take that quarterback or they want to develop what they have in Zach Mettenberger, you can never go wrong taking an offensive tackle. Okay, number 34, we have Tampa Bay with their second pick after taking Jameis Winston. The thought is that they need to make sure he's got the right protection, and we haven't taken Jake Fisher out of Oregon. Do you think he'll fall down that far, or if he... Well, Tampa Bay considered themselves lucky to get him here. Well, I think this is probably about the right spot for him. I just uh, Tampa just seems to be a, a good fit for him. Not necessarily a team that I think has been linked to him a lot. Um, another player, I believe I had Bernardus McKinley. Um, didn't really talk about him much, but he Dallas has made a, a bit a late push for him. But Tampa really seems to be interested in his services as well. Uh, but I think uh, Jake Fisher just makes good sense again. If, and if you're drafting that franchise quarterback, <laughs> you're going to get on his good side right away by giving him a good offensive tackle and monetary mobile. Number 35, Oakland, assuming they take Amari Cooper at number four, the wide receiver. 
At 35, we're giving them a defensive end from UCLA. DJ, your favorite player to say. <laughs> oh, UCLA. And, and the, the reason here is with Odigizua, Amabi Odigizua. Yes, there we go. And I think that he's just better against the he, – he might be the best defensive end that naturally plays the run. There's some teams that I think have thought of him as more of an outside linebacker, although he's a little bit he's a little bit bigger, but he's a guy that I think he can play at end or maybe even play at linebacker, um, maybe in some running situations. Maybe you maybe you, you know, you, you move him to the to the outside just in a, in a run situation only, or just a guy that you can move around the line a lot. So he was a late riser, someone who uh, is kind of reminiscent of uh, Ziggy Ansaw uh, a couple years ago when he kind of skyrocketed up the boards for the Lions. And I think a Diggy Zoo was the same way for Oakland. And uh, he plays with a little bit of a nasty edge, and, of course, that's something that Oakland's always famous for. So he seems to be a good fit there. At number 36, we have Jacksonville taking Jay Ajaye, the running back out of Boise State. There are some that might argue that Amir Abdullah or David Johnson, uh, Duke Johnson, or T.J. Yeldon might be better picks, include, uh, along with Tevin Coleman. How do you argue that Jay Ajayi is the third best running back in this draft? Just think he's a schematic fit. Uh, he's a guy that is a little bit bigger and tough interior runner and caught 55 passes. I think the big question here is his knee. Uh, he's He's been healthy, but he suffered a very – serious ACL injury early in his career. I think there's some teams that have kind of pushed him down his board, their boards, or maybe even removed him altogether uh, because they're worried about the structural integrity of that knee of Ajayes. But uh, I think he's uh, he's kind of a diamond in the rough. I, I've been on record saying I really, really like Duke Johnson. But the Jaguars, the Cowboys, there's a couple of teams that really seem to uh, be hot on Ajaye and, and his services. And I think maybe the Jaguars pull the trigger – because with so many running backs going and, and going earlier than expected, I think maybe uh, they, they realize they probably have to pull the trigger in round two rather than wait till round three. Number 37, Phelps or set. It's a guy that you guys mentioned might jump up very early. You see him falling down to number 37? Uh, I think there's a good chance he goes in the first round. It just didn't fit in this particular mock draft. I think maybe the Saints that uh, – at 31, possibly even uh, uh, the Cowboys, who we talked about Devin Smith, uh, Dorsett uh, as well, who you know, said he was going to break the 40 record. Uh, he didn't do that, but he ran some some blazing times and has consistently run in the 4-3 range, so uh, low 4-3s and maybe even high 4-2s. So he's a guy that's going to bring instant speed and is, uh, I, I think, a better blocker for someone his size than a lot of people realize for being someone under six foot tall. Um, he, he throws his weight around pretty well and can actually uh, – you, you look at the, some of the big games that Johnson had when he wasn't running in the interior, uh, he followed uh, Randy uh, Philip Dorsett's side a lot. He's, he's a better blocker than I think a lot of a lot of people give him credit for. Number 38, Eli Harold, another guy that we have jumping up. Uh, we've talked about him earlier on at the end of the first round, so we'll skip over him. As the 38th pick to Washington, number 39 is Jalen Collins, the cornerback out of OSU. This is a guy that seems like a lot of people think might jump into the first round. What are your thoughts, DJ? Good possibility. Maybe even a team like Philadelphia. We talked about 
there. If they went cornerback, I talked about them with Byron Jones or an Eric Rowe. Jalen Collins is another uh, person that I think has been linked to Philadelphia. And even though he only made 10 career starts at LSU, uh, he's a guy that possesses everything you're looking for. LSU is just so deep at corner. Um, and, and really he was played by inconsistency early on. But he's got all the tools. But uh, unfortunately, it's kind of a Randy Gregory situation. Now, he doesn't go in to the league with the one strike against him like Gregory, but he did test positive at LSU a few times, kind of in that same boat where he would kind of been given that ultimatum, you know, one more positive test and you're going to be gone from the team. So uh, even though, again, he doesn't have a strike against him, there are some teams that uh, have to have that in the back of their head and they they got to wonder if this is the type of off-the-field character that they want on their football team. And number 40, New York Giants taking Eric Rowe, the cornerback out of Utah, after taking a offensive tackle in the first round. What are your thoughts with them taking a cornerback here? Uh, cornerback or even a safety. He's a guy that you can mold and play anywhere. He's got, I think he's got the overall instincts to be a safety, but he's got the speed to be a corner and the aerial skills to do it. So a team like the Giants, who I think can use someone at both positions, really have the luxury of having a, uh, a sound player there, not the fastest guy, and I don't. But uh, he's got such great play, um, play recognition skills, and I think uh, that kind of makes up for the lack of top end speed that he has. Uh, New York, I think, would be a good landing spot for a player like Eric Rowe. Okay, number forty-one, St. Louis, with another pick, Doriel Green Beckham, guy who is as polarizing a player as there is in this draft, but with as much talent as there is in this draft at 6'5", a wide receiver, sort of out of Oklahoma, but really out of Missouri. DJ, why do you see him going to St. Louis? Uh, A guy that played in Missouri, uh, was a state champion in the 100 as well, and at that size, it's just criminal. And uh, Zach had talked about it earlier, the fact that they're looking for some more big plays at wide receiver, here they've got to take a little bit of a chance. But if there's a, a team that's been drafting well and can really afford to take a gamble, it's probably the Rams because they see the payoff. The upside for a pick like this is just absolutely through the roof. They're not – it's not like they're devoid of wide receivers. They have some talent there, but they could sure use that one guy that kind of puts them over the hump and brings a guy I think they can they can bring him along a little bit slower, but the, the – Payoff would be huge if, if he pans out there with a, with a team like St. Louis. Number 42, we have Max Williams falling all the way down to Atlanta. DJ, that seemed far-fetched not too long ago. Why do you see him falling down so far? Uh, just really, really kind of doesn't make much sense if you think about it, but there's always a couple of picks that just don't seem to make sense. Players that seem to fall, and it's kind of something we talked about um, with a player like Landon Collins or a player like Danny Shelton. A lot of teams like him, but is he number one on their board? Uh, I think that yeah, Max Williams is also a very good bet that someone takes him in the first round, and he's I've talked about it before. He's one of those players that we could see teams actually trading for because they're afraid of teams in, in round two that can kind of take them at the top of the board. So if he does fall, this does seem like a, a long way for him. He is obviously the top tight end in this draft. But Atlanta would be absolutely thrilled to land him because they're a team that really will really use a top-end tight end. All right, and I think another reason why players fall is the strength of the position. Just because a guy is the best tight end in the draft doesn't mean that 
it's a great tight end class. So if it was in any other year, he might be a second or third round pick. But this year, people are saying he's a first round because he's the best. And I think by putting him in the second round, we're saying, hey, the tight end class might not even be that great. So he's going to fall here. Another guy who will fall in a lot of people's eyes, who I know some people might even have him in the top ten just how much they love him, is the Washington outside linebacker Shaq Thompson, who can also play a running back, and you might think uh, you think might be a safety. How do you see him falling here, Cleveland at number forty-three? I I just think the the overall lack of he is he going to stand out as a linebacker? Is, is he going to be a player that we're going to, have to put in the secondary? Uh, he's probably a little more comfortable playing in the 225 to 230 range uh, instead of like the 235 to 245 range. Just He's a great player. I really, really like him. But I think just the, there's just a few questions surrounding him. And, again, I think he's one of those guys. Is he the number one guy on our board? I think because of that will probably slide a little bit. But if that happens, uh, I think that the team that takes him is going to be very happy. He does fall into the, the second round. He's a guy that three or four years from now we look back and we go, wow, how did this guy not get picked in the first round? He could really be the steal of the second round. Really, really like Shaq Thompson. Number 44, New Orleans. We have him taking another defensive player, and that's Daniel Hunter, the defenseman of LSU. And a guy who could, uh, a team like uh, Dallas, who really likes LSU players, and talk about a guy that's just tested off the charts. His pro day was among one of the more impressive that just not a lot of people talked about. I don't know what it, what it was there. People just weren't paying attention to LSU because they thought Leo Collins was really the only true first-rounder, or maybe Hunter or uh, Jalen Collins could still go in the first round. There's a number of good players there. LSU's always turned out some good players. Just the measurables, too. Just incredible wingspan. And the fact that he's looked fairly comfortable with the speed, putting on a little bit more weight. He's a guy that played in that uh, 240 to 245 range. He seems to be carrying 255 very comfortably and could possibly even add some more weight. He's just a guy that seems to still be learning the position. So I think a team that – a team takes him that maybe that doesn't have the immediate need at defensive end. Maybe they they have some other players there then kind of bring him in as like a third or fourth guy and have him grow a bit. But, wow, the upside is is definitely there, and I think Hunter – is another one of these diamonds in the rough types. He could turn out being one of the better defensive ends when you look back at this draft in four to five years. At number 45, we have Devin Smith, a guy who I know Zach probably wants in the first round because he's an Ohio State guy, but guy that we think might be falling down to 45 at Minnesota, giving Teddy Bridgewater another weapon. Is that your thought here, DJ? He's definitely he's definitely a first-round talent, but again, there's going to be a couple of wide receivers that slip just because there's so many wide receivers available. There's a lot of good wide receivers in this draft, and just the victim of just falling here, but he's a guy that could easily go in the, as early as like the 20 to 25 range. So it's when you, when you get to this point with the wide receiver class being so good, the, the difference between maybe the number five wide receiver on the board and the number eight wide receiver on the board is very, very minuscule. And the, the teams that I think that we had picking uh, in this scenario just had a, a few more other needs or receivers that maybe they liked a little better than Devin Smith. But 
I think he's going to wind up being better than a few of the wide receivers that are going to be picked ahead of him in this draft. Okay, well, at the next pick, we have another wide receiver. That's Nelson Aguilar, UFC, going to San Francisco. And then we have Jalen Strong going 47 to Miami. Out of those three wide receivers, do you find it hard to really rank those three? Not really hard, guy. I kind of like them all. I think Aguilar might make his mark as a return man first, maybe more on punt returns, maybe like a Corderell Patterson where he's got all the talent. Maybe he goes to a team where he's not needed at wide receiver right off the bat or has a steady passing game. But he's one of these guys that I can see maybe four or five that we find in every draft class that can make an immediate impact as a return man while playing receiver, and I think he is, he is one of them. Strong, uh, outside of once uh, Doriel Green-Beckham actually had his, his problems and, and wasn't playing in Missouri, Strong was my number one wide receiver going into the season. He's not uh, got the top-end speed, but he showed enough speed. And the fact that he's just a good red zone target, but again, that wrist injury and how serious is that wrist, the fact that he's been playing with a broken bone since November, he did not want to miss the last half of the season. He knew that he could play through it. And now he's just been kind of caught in no man's land. After not having surgery, I think the initial thought was, wow, we can just let this rest. We're not going to have to play for a while. But, again, it's just at the point where teams think, now you've got to have this surgery at some point. We may as well take care of it now. So it's just kind of a tricky situation. And until they go in, they're really not going to, not going to know how long Barry and how long he could be out. Uh, are you talking about a, a person who's going to have to miss some time because of that? I think because of that, uh, Strong is going to, be a first-round pick that probably winds up in round two because of the questions surrounding his injury. Okay, the next pick that we have is a quarterback who some, I think, might go in the first round. That's Brett Hundley, a guy I know that you're not a huge fan of and you think is a bit overrated, but then he goes to San Diego. If San Diego trades Phillip Rivers and drafts Marcus Mariota, obviously this wouldn't necessarily be the case, but if they keep Phillip Rivers... Why do you see him drafting Brett Hundley here in the second round? I think if they keep Phillip Rivers, they'll, they'll have to go in another direction. Uh, I th- still think they would go quarterback. It would just be a little bit later. I think round two would be a little bit too soon. I like everything about Brett Hundley as far as his work ethic and what he puts in. I just don't think it's going to transfer to the NFL level. There's always, statistically, you look, it's about 50% for quarterbacks that are taken in the first round. I think that the two quarterbacks that we have at the top of this board look to be pretty surefire bets. I think Winston has a much higher ceiling. Mariota is going to be a good quarterback. I don't know if he's going to be a championship quarterback. So Hunley, I just think, seems to be that guy that's going to wind up being a bust. I think that uh, he could have come out last year, but uh, you know, really stayed to get another year of seasoning uh, with him and I, I, I think, unfortunately, with these two quarterbacks ahead of him, it, it might have been better if he stayed uh, with the possibility of being the top quarterback available in the next draft. But uh, I, I, just, I just think the bust potential is there. Uh, and, again, I hope I'm wrong because, again, he's a very coachable guy. Everyone who, who comes in contact with him really, really likes him, and he's got incredible work ethic. He's not lazy. He definitely puts in the time. Uh, I just hope it works out for him, but uh, there's some red flags there I see with, with Brett Hundley. Okay. 
Next, we have Darren Smith out of Fresno State, the safety going to Kansas City. What's what, what's your thought there as to how he fits in Kansas City? I think that there's still some questions about Eric Berry and his health, and I think just to be on the safe side, they know they're going to have some some depth issues there. They're hoping, and obviously everyone is hoping that Eric Berry is going to return uh, from from the Hodgkins and and be a productive member of the Chiefs. But just in case they don't, there's already a need for some uh, for some for some depth there. And just in case things do not pan out well for Barry, or he's out longer than uh, what the Chiefs anticipate, it's good to have someone who can step in and possibly challenge for a starting spot right out of the gate. Next pick, we have AJ Can, the guard out of South Carolina, who some think is potentially the best guard. In this draft, we have him going number 50 to Buffalo. How does he fit in along that offensive line? Well, I think Buffalo is making a commitment to the run. You've got Rex Ryan there now, and we know that that, uh, he really values the running game. He wants to pound it down the throat of those AFC East foes. Buffalo, and I think they'll be making a statement here. It's the first pick. Obviously, they don't have their first-round pick in the, the Sammy Watkins deal. They had to give that up to Cleveland. So, why not take the, in this scenario, we have the guy who is, I believe as well, is the best guard in this draft. Why not take him with that pick at number 50? There's a need there. Strengthen that running game and do it by um, getting the horses in front of them that are, that are actually going to pave the way and give them uh, some big yardage. At number 51, we have D.J. Humphreys, the offensive tackle out of Florida, a guy who is... Getting talked about a little bit more lately, but who really wasn't getting much buzz earlier on. How do you see him jumping up here to number 51 to Houston? Well, it could be as high as the first round. Carolina apparently is a team that's very enamored with Humphreys, and if some of the offensive linemen go a little bit earlier than anticipated, that some of these teams at the back end that still want a lineman might have to reach for a player like Clemmings or a Humphreys or maybe even a Jake Fisher that, aren't necessarily a first-rounder on everyone's board. I, I, I've I, got some serious questions about his upper body strength. I think that uh, he moves well in space, and he's going to be a very versatile guy. But uh, to me, he just looks like a guy that's definitely going to get pushed around unless he works on that, that upper body strength. Him and a player like Ty Sombrello out of Colorado State, another guy that has all the tools, just doesn't seem to have the upper body strength and is really ready for the NFL-caliber rushers that they're going to see at this level. I think those two players, if they're able to, to add some bulk, really bulk up with the upper body and not lose any of their mobility, then I think that they're good players. But I have questions about Humphreys and Sombrello because of that, that upper body strength or lack thereof. And number 52, Philadelphia Eagles, Demarius Randall, the safety out of Arizona State. That's a guy who's been getting some late love as the draft approaches. What are your thoughts there as to how he becomes a second-round pick now? Well, I really, really did like him, and he was a guy that I had been saying, you know, this is going to be a late-round steal, a guy that I think is like a seventh-rounder that's probably going to move up to the fourth or fifth round because teams really just realize, you know, just what how good he is in play recognition. And even though he's a little bit smaller in stature, he just seems to play – uh, looks like a, a bigger guy than what uh, the measurables actually tell you. I guess uh, I wasn't the only one that thought that because now I'm hearing more and more about this guy, you know, possibly being a, a third, second rounder. I've even seen a mock draft or two where he's sneaking into the first round. And it's just amazing to me because he's a guy that I've liked all season. I've really talked about, but uh, 
it's becoming more and more apparent that with this many teams talking about him, that uh, teams can't wait till the third or fourth round. I think they're going to have to move by the middle stages around too. And again, we talked about Philadelphia. They don't land Landon Collins in our scenario. We'll have to take a safety at some point. Why not take the guy? And again, a Pac-12 guy. We all know that uh, Chip Kelly likes Pac-12ers. If they're not from Oregon, he stays in conference. So here he's able to uh, get a position of need and uh, go to uh, the Sun Devils there and take a guy from the Pac-12. 53, Cincinnati taking Preston Smith, defensive end out of Mississippi State, a 6-5 defensive end. What's the logic behind the pick here with Cincinnati? There's so many of these top pass rushers that are, are seen as tweeners. I think Zuwa and Preston Jones are probably the top guys at the defensive end position that look to be true defensive ends. And I think Jones could go as early as maybe Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta in the second round when we had Max Williams there. Uh, falling a little bit, but Atlanta has had uh, Preston Jones, and it seems like every other day he's uh, been in contact with someone from the organization or they've been visiting him or having a workout. So there's a couple of teams that really, really, really seem to like him. And again, sometimes it's a niche player. We had Indianapolis taking Landon Collins, but if there's one guy that maybe gets some love and winds up at the end of the first round, you're going, how the heck did he wind up there? Indianapolis is another team that really seems to be high on him, and we talked about the need for them to get some playmakers on defense. If Preston Smith winds up with a team like, say, India 29, don't be surprised. It could be one of those, those picks that catches everybody off guard. Number 54 to Detroit, a sophomore, a guy with two years of eligibility out of Central Florida, is a cornerback named Kobe Glenn. This is a guy at one point, you thought could be the first or second cornerback taken off, off the board. Now we have him going number 54. How do teams decide what to do with Jacoby Glenn and when to pick him? I think watching him on film, and I, yes, I thought that he would be the top corner off this board. Really, it just come to, came down to speed. He has not posted the speed numbers that some of the other cornerbacks uh, have shown, and I think – He's a guy that I still believe in. I think that uh, he was the, the defensive player of the year in his conference, and I think that uh, it's, it's definitely going to show up. I think a player like him and Quentin Rollins who are going to go probably in the second round, a guy that was only has one year of college football under his belt after being a point guard in Miami of Ohio, those are the two guys from those smaller schools that I think teams are going to look back on. A number of teams are going to say, wow, we passed up on this guy. There was just some questions and just it's a position where sometimes speed is looked at just a little too much uh, because he gets off the line well and he's very fluid. He just doesn't have that top end speed. But again, at this level, he's got a lot more help from the safety position. And uh, I think he's going to be able to make up for that uh, lack of top end speed with his, uh, with his play recognition skills. But he is as good as anyone in this draft at the cornerback position. And again, uh, if, if he winds up being the top corner in this draft, I'm not at all surprised. I've, I've just really, really, really liked this guy all season long, and uh, I'm, I'm happy that he declared, even with the two years left, and I, I think he's going to be a very, very good pro prospect. Carl Davis, defensive tackle out of Iowa, is a guy that all three of us I know like a lot. Um, how does he compare to a guy like Mike Daniels out of Iowa a few years back? And do you, you see that as a better prospect or similar or worse? 
I think he's the best prospect along the defensive line that they've had in a while. I just think he's just an overall good guy. He's just he's not the best run stuffer. He's not the not the guy that you look at on film that's gonna give you that quick first step or give you the constant penetration. But again, just does all the dirty work. He can uh, he beats double teams. Uh, sometimes he just makes it look easy, and he's got a variety of different moves as well. Sometimes these guys at the college level they are relying a little bit too much on their athletic ability or they're just their overall speed. Where, where Davis seems to be more of kind of a tactician, he really seems to have the fine points down as far as has a number of moves and, and different things that he can do. So he's not just a guy that's gotten by on skill and athleticism alone. And I think that's going to put him a step ahead of some of these other top prospects at the defensive tackle position. Uh, not sure he's going to be that all-pro type that puts up the big numbers. Just going to be one of these serviceable guys that's probably in the league 10 to 12 years um, that just gets it done year in and year out, and a lot of teams are going to love to have on their team. Next pick, we have Pittsburgh taking Trey Jackson, the guard out of Florida State. Uh, some think he might go in the first round. I know we've had him up there at one point throughout the year. Now we have him in the second round. How do you think this guard position plays out, and why do you rank Trey Jackson below guys like A.J. Can, but above uh, above guys like Lakin Tomlinson? I think the when it comes to just overall athletic ability and sheer potential, he's the top guard in this draft. I think it he's just got to play with the right organization. There's I think just a little bit complacent, and I think some of that had to do with the fact that you played at Florida State where every lineman around you was kind of the stud and probably the best lineman in his respective state. There's just so much talent there that I, I, I think he got a little lack, lackadaisical. We saw it a little bit later in his career when uh, I had him as a first-round pick, and I think that there's some uh, prognosticators that are probably arguing he's more of a third- or fourth-round pick just because – he doesn't seem to show up all the time. But, again, I think that has a little more to do with just the talent that's around him. He didn't have to be that guy, uh, but I think he definitely has the potential to be and um, just has to keep his weight under control as well. And he, I think he uh, got a little bit too heavy and kind of uh, ballooned uh, a little bit during his senior year. Uh, his uh, footwork is can be a little bit sloppy. So, again, there's a lot of little things there, but a lot of it is very coachable. Just to, from sheer athletic talent, he's got everything you're looking for. A, a team like Pittsburgh that can really whip him into shape and where he's not uh, necessarily the guy or have everyone around him that's just a, an all-pro, I think he just kind of makes him rise to the occasion. He'll be a very good pro. Next, we have Carolina taking the junior out of Miami, the running back Duke Johnson. What are your thoughts there? Again, I, I think he could be the best runner in this draft. Even I love Todd Gurley, love Melvin Gordon. There's so many good runners in this draft, but there's just something about Duke Johnson. He seems to have the intangibles. He could wind up be having the best career of anyone. He just and, and look at Miami. They've they churn out running backs with with regularity. They they could be known as running back university. Look back at the Willis McGahees, the Clinton Portises, of a just. Edger and James, the number of good runners that have come from that university, and Duke Johnson is right up there with them. Number 58, we have Devin Funches, the tight end or wide receiver from Michigan going to Baltimore. What's the thought there? 
uh, Baltimore not getting that receiver in the first round and just needing a big target. They're also a team that seems to value tight ends a lot more. So here, you know, you can play him at receiver. You can maybe be a tight end that just kind of splits out a little bit more. Uh, he, would, he would fit in very, very well there. Next we have Reese Dismukes from Auburn, the center. Is this the first center off the board, DJ, going to Denver? Probably the first true center, although there's we actually had Denver also taking Cameron Irving, and there's some that are saying that, that maybe he's going to be a better suited center at the pro uh, level. I still think uh, Ronis Grasso out of Oregon is the best center out there, uh, but I think that more people are thinking Irving's a center. Again, even though I think Rossi's the better center, Denver seems to like uh, uh, Dismukes uh, out of uh, Auburn a little bit better. It uh, just seems to be higher on their board. I think there's more teams that, that like Rossi more, but again, can't just plug in the, this guy's the best here, this guy's the second best, this guy's the third best. You've got to look at needs and sometimes systems, and that, that seems to be the better fit for the Broncos. Number 60, Quentin Rollins, cornerback out of Miami, Ohio, going to Dallas. Do you think they need a cornerback, DJ? I think they just need uh, athleticism there, and I think they really like a player like this who has so much pro potential. Again, only one, one year uh, playing at the college football level was the point guard for Miami of Ohio, and uh, I think they're intrigued by the upside that he brings, and they're, they're looking for some top-end talent at the cornerback position. Number 61, Ty Sambrello, the offensive tackle from Clark, Colorado State. I know this is a player that you really like. Uh, can you see him sneaking into the first round, or do you think is a good fit for him over here to Indianapolis? I do like him, but again, as I pointed out with D.J. Humphreys, I'm a little bit disappointed with the upper body strength. It just doesn't seem to be there. Sometimes they make a little bit too much of that, but even uh, just his overall physique, when you saw him at the combine with some of the other offensive linemen, he, he kind of looked like he was uh, on the JV squad compared to some of the guys there. He really has to work on his physique and his upper body strength. But as far as, as footwork, his backpedal, as far as keeping his balance, some of the, uh, there's probably not a lineman that's going to be taken in the first two rounds that has improved more over the last couple seasons than Sombrello. That's really the only thing he's missing is that, is that strength. If he's able to get stronger with his upper body and handle those brute rushers that he's going to see at the NFL much more than he did at a place like Colorado State, this is a guy that could be a top-end talent, but that lack of strength does worry me, and I think because of that I'd be very leery of drafting him, but he has everything else. The next three guys are guys that have caused a lot of argument who might go in the first round, who at the beginning of the year look like first-round picks, and now as the draft gets closer, we realize they're good players, but might not be first-round picks for the NFL draft. And that's Green Bay taking Denzel Perryman, the outside linebacker from Miami, Cedric Agbuehi, offensive tackle, Texas A&M, and Michael Bennett going to New England, the defensive tackle from Ohio State, which would actually be funny if he was the one going to Seattle to pick before since there would be two of them. But those three guys, how do you see them falling to the end of the second round as opposed to the first round where they've been at points throughout the past year? Well, I think he had a, a disappointing senior season, and that was capped off by the injury late in the year. But like Todd Gurley, 
His knee has checked out very well. He looks to be ahead of schedule. I think some teams are still going to see him as this was a guy who I mean, some people had even put his – he could be the first overall pick in the entire draft before you know, it became such a, a apparent thing and something that we saw as being certain that Seamus Winston was going to declare. Before that happened, everyone was searching for who's that overall number one pick. He could have been the guy. Texas uh, A&M has turned out a lot of high-quality offensive linemen over the years. He looked to be the next in line. But I think him playing right tackle – once Jake Matthews moved to the NFL, he, he moved him to the left side, and he definitely struggled. I, a lot of people thought that it would be more of a natural transition, myself included. I didn't think he was going to be a, a top-ten pick, but I thought he was a surefire first-rounder and someone that was a safe pick that you could take in the middle of the first round. But he is ahead of schedule. That, that knee that he ripped, it doesn't seem to be as serious. as say we blogged about this today, a player like Tua Freilamu, where there seems to be more damage than just the ACL. So, unfortunately, a player like him, his stock is really going to take a hit. Michael Bennett seems to be more of a one-trick pony. I, I, I worry about him holding up against the run. But, again, in passing situations, you want a, a guy that you can plug in the middle of the line and even move around. He can play some defensive end. He's athletic enough. He's a guy that is world, an all-world recruit coming into Ohio State. And... Uh, he, he, does the, he does the dirty work for a guy that uh, put on a little bit of weight. He's closer to 300 pounds now. He's going to be a very good player. So, yeah, I, I think that this is uh, – and we, uh, Denzel Perryman, some questions about his sideline to sideline speed, but if you just look at the linebacker position, who's the best just sheer tackler from a, I'd say, tackling mechanics? Uh, he's right there with Eric Kendricks. They're probably the best tackling linebackers in this draft. A little bit on the small side, but again, he's got enough upper body strength where I think that 5'11 frame is not going to really hurt him. Uh, but I think he might even be better suited for the inside linebacker position just because he's such a sure tackler. And maybe that way uh, some teams value him a little bit more and maybe he goes a little bit higher in this draft. But I like Perryman. Well, that concludes the second round. Thanks, everyone, for coming out. Don't forget to go to MillionDollarDraft.com for your chance at $1 million. DJ, are you going to log in and give it a shot? Oh, you'd, you'd be a fool not to. There's absolutely nothing to lose. So go on out there, make well, uh, give it your best shot. And, uh, you know, the only, uh, the only time you're guaranteed for failure is if you don't give it a shot. So uh, the worst thing that can happen is, you're just as rich or just as poor as if you uh, give it a try, but you never know. If you're a, you could be kicking yourself because after the draft, you could say, "Wow, I had a lot of this pick right." Uh, I wonder if I could have won some money or maybe even a prize with that great contest. But lo and behold, you'll never know because you'll be asking yourself, "What if? What if?" for quite a long time, and that's something you don't want to do. Well, the great thing is they still have $75,000 worth of other prizes to give away if you finish within the top 100 of mock drafters. And I think if you've listened to this show, I make no guarantees, but you could be amongst those top 100. The first, the first place winner gets 25000 then it goes on. And even if you're number 100, you still win $100. So your odds are great. Throw in the mock draft. And if you want a free entry, you have one question to answer. From tonight's call, who does DJ think could be 
the best corner in this draft. Now, it might not be who you think, but if you've listened tonight, you heard who his answer is. So, email us, guru at draftside.com, or tweet your answers as soon as possible, and the first one to respond will get a free entry to Million Dollar Draft. Everyone go on tonight, go on tomorrow. You have, I think, until an hour before the draft starts, put your entry and if you win a million dollars, feel free to give a few to draft site. I'm kidding. Enjoy it. Take a nice vacation. Retire early. And think of us. Uh, we'd be happy to have you get involved if you're that good. So thanks, everyone, for coming out. We hope you have a great week. And we are excited for Thursday night's draft at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. DJ is going to finish up. A couple more rounds after this. We'll release in the next few days. Go to draftsite.com. You'll see all new updates for the mock draft, all seven rounds. You'll even see a new page layout. You'll see some new, uh, you'll see the top rated mock drafts for every sport. So if you go to draftsite.com slash NFL, we'll take you to mock, seven round mock draft. You'll see our top five mock drafts right now are from Patry out, who's number one. Number two is Russell. Number three is Zonstein. Four is Sherry with two S's in the beginning. And five is the Smear. So check those out. Vote on them. Share with your friends. Put your own user mock draft into our site for the seven round. If you want to do a few rounds, you can do that. And if you want to do one round, make sure you also put it on Million Dollar Draft. The link is all over the site for the next few days. Thanks, everyone, for coming out. Have a great week. And... Enjoy the draft. Everybody speeds in the fast lane, surely now. Revving through the gears, trying to keep ourselves from stressing now. Uh, take a look in your heart and your soul. This is really it, is it all? So caught up in the riddle And we suffer for so little Oh Oh, no, no.